Are you ready? Pretty exciting. I am super excited about this uh, journey we begin today as we work through the book of Genesis. Uh, I don't know in my tenure here at Grace if I've ever had as much trouble uh, putting together what I want you to hear in one message. If uh, I didn't bring my journal with me, but if I brought my journal, uh, it's almost half full of chapter one. Like, and so then, and even this morning, I'm like, well, I don't have time to say that, and I don't have time to say that, and I don't, and it, here's the thing that's interesting to me. Uh, it feels like chaos in my brain right now, and then I just think about Genesis. That's what Genesis is all about, is like God bringing order to chaos, and I'm like, oh, thanks, God. Thanks for making me a, uh, my, own, my own sermon illustration. Anyway, uh, this morning we're going to look at chapter one, but what I really want to do as well is lay a foundation for the entire series. Uh, hopefully, if I do my job right, inspire you, encourage you to engage with Genesis beyond Sunday morning. Whenever we teach through a book of the Bible, there is always way more than we can cover on Sunday morning in there. And you're not going to really get what God wants for you from this book if all you're getting is the 30-minute sermons on Sunday on Genesis. So uh, jump in, engage with it. The book of Genesis answers the most important questions in life. Where did we come from? Why, why do we even exist? Who is God? Who is the God of creation? Why did he create humankind? What is our purpose? All of that is laid out for us clearly in the book of Genesis. So I want to just encourage you one more time to prayerfully consider doing Tuesdays at Grace, especially there's some other offerings going on uh, so if there's something that really resonates with you that you feel like you need to do, but if you're just not sure, come and be a part of the Genesis class because they're just going to follow along in the same way that we're going through Genesis. They're going to kind of take each chapter, go a little bit deeper. So great opportunity for you to engage. Uh, I want to encourage everyone to buy one of the journals, a little bit bigger than any of the other journals we've sold so far. But the idea here is you have a page of scripture and a blank page. Take notes, bring your journals with you on Sundays, under line keywords. A lot of times we'll even point to things. This morning I'll even say, hey, if you got your journals, underline this. I do that in your Bibles. If you're here or if you're online, we're glad that you're here. Uh, we're glad that you decided to join us. Uh, have a Bible in front of you. Have your journal in front of you. Whatever you use to study at home, have it in front of you. Take some notes. It's going to help you to remember, but it's also going to be a resource for you down the road. There'll be a moment in time where you're like, I remember we were thinking about this. You can go back. You can look it up. It's going to help you. Okay. I also want to just say one of the, one of the places I've spent a lot of time thinking about is the miracle that is the Word of God, right? That, that, that we have access to the writings of Moses. Like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> we have access to the writings of David. Meg was reading a psalm the other night. We read psalm, one psalm most every night uh, together. Actually, she reads it and I listen. Um, but this was like, Meg, we're reading the words of King David. Like, but we take that all for granted. Like, we, it, because Scripture is so accessible to us, uh, we just take it for granted. And I just want to have you pause for a minute and recognize what a gift it is that 
the book of Genesis has survived 3,500 years and we can study it and read it. We can carry it around in our pocket. We can listen to it in our car. Like we have access to the scriptures like no other generation in the history of mankind and we need to steward that access well. So I just, I just want to encourage you, every time you pick up the word of God, you, sh- you should just be in awe. We get to study the book of Moses. It's a pretty amazing thing. All right. I don't know if you know this, but there are over 20 works of literature referenced in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, that don't exist, right? That we have no idea what they said. They, they, just, they flat out don't exist. If you look real quick, Genesis 5.1 says, this is the book of generations of Adam when God created man. He made him in his likeness. It's easy to read that passage when you get to chapter 5 and think, oh, Moses has decided to write down the generations of Adam, but the original Hebrew language makes it clear is that Moses is actually using a source. He actually has the book of generations of Adam in front of him, and he's using that as a resource as he writes the book of Genesis. We have no idea where that book is and what it said. The the book of kings, the book of wars that are referenced in in, in some of the passages in Scripture, we don't know where those books are. 20 different books that didn't survive, but to God's glory and to our benefit, the book of Genesis has survived all of these years. And I do want to say this. We owe an enormous level of gratitude to our Jewish brothers and sisters who went to great lengths and extreme measures to preserve and protect the Hebrew Old Testament. All right, we're reading this morning. Uh, we're going we're gonna to study this miracle that is the Bible. Uh, we have access to it. It's, it's a beautiful thing, but we're going to look at chapter one. Normally I tell you what page it's on, but I don't think I need to. It's Genesis chapter one, the first chapter. So if you just go to the very beginning of your Bibles, you'll be able to find it. So grab your journals, grab your Bibles. If you're using the Bible under your seat, that's great. Again, if you are online right now, we're so glad that you join us. I encourage you to have a Bible in front of you. Everyone should have this. Um, And here's what I would say as we get ready to read. If we don't understand chapter one of Genesis, the rest of the Bible won't make sense. Actually, if you have a misunderstanding or a misconception about chapter one, everything else in the scriptures will be skewed and misunderstood. So this is foundational to everything that we believe And everything that we learn as we continue through scripture. So why don't you stand and I'm going to read the entire chapter. Chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1. It says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness and he called the light day and the darkness he called night and there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under and expanse in the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven And there was evening and there was morning the second day. 
And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together. He called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seeds and fruit trees bearing fruit in which their seeds each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seeds according to their own kind and trees bearing fruit in which there is their seeds each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights. And the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let there be a sign for the seasons and for the days and the years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens and give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights. The greater light to rule the day. The lesser light to rule the night. And the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens. And gave light to the earth to rule over the day and over the night. And to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves on which the waters swarm according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And he blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply, fill the waters and the seas, let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening And there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kind. Livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth. That's right, God made creeping things according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kind. The livestock according to their kinds. And everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let us make man. In our image, after our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. A lot of creeping things and creeps in this. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In his image, in the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Verse 28, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over the living things that move on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seeds and its fruit. And you shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and every bird of the heavens and everything that creeps in the earth, everything that has breath of life I have given every green plant for food and it was so and God saw everything that he made and behold it was very good and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day Lord there's a lot in here and I pray that you would bring our hearts and our minds into focus I pray that we would hear what you want us to hear. I pray that you would guide my words. I pray that anything I say that comes from your Holy Spirit would land in fertile soil, that like these seeds that we just read about, they would 
they would go deep and they would bear roots that go deep and they would bear fruit a hundredfold. We pray that we would leave this broadcast, we would leave this, this room different than we came because we have heard a word from the living God. Amen? You may be seated. If you've been around Grace very long, you've heard me say these words, context matters. Context matters. The biblical context matters. What does the rest of scripture say? The best interpreter of scripture is scripture. Social context matters. Historical context matters. Biblical context matters. Even the, the, the understanding of how the people who are reading the original text saw the world, viewed the world, the more we understand that, the more we can make accurate interpretations and understandings about scripture context matters. A good way for you to uh, put this into a phrase is if we don't know what a book or a passage of scripture meant to the original readers, we cannot know what it means to us today. And here's the deal. Moses is writing Genesis as an introduction or a preface, if you will, to Exodus. (coughs) He's actually writing a book that helps the Israelites to understand who they are, who God is, and why God is doing all of these miraculous events around them. The whole purpose of Genesis is to help the Israelites understand who God is, who they are, and what God is up to in this epic story that we know is Exodus. And here's the deal. The Israelites have been indoctrinated and influenced by Egyptian mythology, Egyptian culture, Egyptian religion. And we see that indoctrination when we read the book of Exodus. So if you remember the story, Moses goes up on the mountain. He stays there for for a long time. and, And the people start to get nervous. And what do they do? They demand that Aaron build a god for them to worship. It was an Egyptian God. They were indoctrinated to worship false gods, to believe a false story about creation. If you want to read that story, it's Exodus 32. But the Israelites had major misconceptions about God and creation and purpose and mankind. Their understanding was that there were numerous gods and that this, this, these numerous gods were all at war with one another. There was always conflict amongst the gods. And, and eventually, after all of this conflict, there's, there's an earth. This earth is actually created for the gods, right? This is what they would have believed. And that, that eventually, the gods said, well, this earth, we, we have to work to keep this earth. So let's create man to, to work the earth on our behalf. So, so humans are created to serve the gods. And they're almost like housekeepers of the earth, which exists for the gods. Very different than what we just read about in the creation stories. We are not here to be housekeepers of earth that is for the gods, but God created the earth for us. Let us have dominion over the earth. So the gods in, in, that they would have believed are, are depicted as, as animals and dragons and kind of these monstrous characters, scary characters that are angry and, like I said, warring against one another. And, and so the religious culture, the ancient Near East, is, is all about appeasing these angry gods to avoid annihilation. So this is what I want you to hear this morning right now. What you believe about God 
And what you believe about the creation story shapes your decisions in life. What you believe about God and creation actually determines your reaction to the circumstances in your life. And Satan's desire is that you believe anything but the truth, right? Anything will do as long as it's not the truth. And he will go to extreme lengths to indoctrinate you to believe a lie about God or a lie about creation. This generation, our structure, our social culture today believes all kinds of myths and theories about God and about creation, right? The, the greatest lie that permeates the, the current culture is that what we see around us is nothing more than a cosmic coincidence. Right, that, that somehow all of, all of these things aligned in a statistically impossible way to, to, to cause in this, this moment of time something to happen that now the earth exists and the earth is a perfect place for humans to exist and that life crawled out of some, some goo somewhere and there's no rhyme, no reason. It's all a cosmic accident. There is no God, there is no purpose for creation. And once we believe that, I'm telling you, chaos ensues. And we're seeing it all around us in our culture. So let's look at verse one. Verse one says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you don't believe this verse, nothing else in scripture makes sense. This verse is what gives purpose this verse is what gives order. This verse in, in the opening chapter is what, what gives us sanctity of life, right? And, and if you don't believe this, all of, all of that is forfeited. If you don't start with this foundation, listen, there is no gospel. There is no gospel of Jesus without the creation story as told in Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created everything. And what it's telling us is the cosmos Right, All that we know, all that we see, even the things we haven't discovered yet, all of that has a beginning, and that beginning was not a cosmic accident. I want you to hear this. The Hebrew word for created is so much, has so much more depth than the way we would use the word created. But, but it has this connotation of making something from nothing. Right, It has this connotation of making something new but inherent in the, 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 the Israelites hearing that word, inherent in the word was the idea of functionality or purpose. That something really wasn't, didn't exist unless it had a purpose to exist. And if you read back through Genesis 1, you're going to see what God created, but you're going to see why he created. What was its function? What was its purpose. I have a, I've, I've had a hard time explaining this. I've been talking to it with Meg and, and trying to get my head around a way to teach it. And, and it's sort of like saying this, like, like you, can ha you can have a house, but it's not a home until someone lives in it. And the house 
protects you and the house is a place that you find shelter, right? Like there's something about functionality and purpose that, that brings meaning. And in the, in the, in the Hebrew uh, ancient Near East culture, there would have been no separation of these things. When they heard the cre- word create, they would have naturally understood that it had to have purpose and it had to have function. Now you need to hang on to that because this becomes kind of what I want you to take away today. But functionality and purpose are inherent in the creation story. So it says, in the beginning, there was a time when it wasn't, and there was a time when it all began. And the fascinating thing is that this is one point that is not even really debated any longer, even from those among non-Christian circles. Listen to the words of Hugh Ross. Don't ask me to explain everything that's in here, by the way. New scientific support of the hot Big Bang creation event, the validity of space-time theorem, of general relativity and for the 10 dimensions of string theory verifies the Bible's claim for a beginning. In fact, the final decade of the 20th centuries, astronomers and physicists have all established that all matter and all energy in the universe had a beginning in finite time, just as the Bible declares. Now, I had a conversation this week with uh, one of the staff members, and uh, they were telling me about some conflict within their ministry, and what I said to them was that you need to remind them that they need to strive for unity in the essentials, but give grace to one another in the non-essentials. Well, that's my way of quoting St. Augustine, who said, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, but in all things, love. And this is what I want you to hear this morning, and I know... What I'm about to say is going to ruffle some feathers, so if you want to email me later, it's dkempton at gracewire.com. I'm okay with that. (laughs) In the beginning, God created in the heavens and the earth is essential. How God did it is not essential. So there are schools of thought. There are people who believe in a young earth, and there's people who believe in an old earth. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to the gospel. It's okay to talk about those things, but if we have division over that, we're missing what's essential. And I can tell you, if you hold tightly and if you push hard, you are gonna push people away from the essential truth that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Old earth, young earth, we can both agree that God created, that it's a movement of God. And here's the deal. The question that we need to ask when we read Genesis is not how, but why. And so if you get into that conversation about the flood or about, about Genesis 1, ask the question with one another, but why? Why did God create the heavens and the earth? Why did he build this, put together this beautiful garden for mankind? Why did God even create mankind? Why did God flood? If you want to spend all your time thinking about the how, you can't figure it out anyway because it's a miracle. And if you can explain how a miracle happened, it's not really much of a miracle anyway. Right? So let go of that. What's essential is verse 1. Right? And we can read all of the rest and all of everything else we read is true it's factual, but we don't have to argue on the minutia, old earth, young earth, let it go. So it, throughout the series, this is what we're going to keep asking. Why? Why did God flood the earth? 
Why did God choose Noah? Why did God pick Abraham? Why did God pick Joseph? Why did they go into slavery? The, the answer, it helps us understand who God is, who we are, and what God has called his people to do and be. Back to Genesis chapter 1. Right, God in his infinite glory decides to purposefully create a perfect place for humanity. Right, So if, if you have your, your Bibles or journals in front of you and you're a highlighter or underliner, I just want you to go and look at the beginning paragraph, starting in, in paragraph two, I think it is, where it says, and God said. Right, is that paragraph two? I think it is. But if you'll notice, every single paragraph in this chapter starts with God said. And you should underline God said. Right, that he is the force behind creation. And the, the takeaway for us is eight times in just chapter one, God inspires Moses to say, God spoke and it happened. Right, that God's words bring everything that we see and know into existence. The sea, the mountain, the stars, the plants, the animals, mankind, were all created with just a word from God. A word from God changes everything. That's why we pray every Sunday that you would hear a word from the living God. Because we know if you hear a word from the living God, it can change everything. It can change your circumstances. It can change your understanding. A word from God changes everything. The other thing we need to know from the rest of scriptures, John tells us that Jesus was there in the beginning, that Jesus is the word, that Jesus is the one that spoke these things into existence, that all things were created through him and for him. This good, this perfect place, right, that God has, has prepared is now ready for the pinnacle of his creation, the creation of man. So look at verse 26 and 27. God said, let us make man, let us make humans in our image. After our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish and the seas, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, over the earth, over the creeping things that creep on the earth. So God created man, God created humans, God created man and woman in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. This is not just the story of Adam and Eve. It is the story of humankind. It is your story as well. You are created by God. You are not a cosmic accident. Remember, I said to hold on to it, remember what the word created means? Created means to make something new that has functionality and purpose. This is the heart of the message of Genesis chapter one. You are purposefully created to be purposefully creative. You are purposefully created to be 
purposefully creative. And the problem with the word creative is we tend to go to the arts, like, like what we saw people doing up here and what only Norflet can do, what Norflet does. And man, he's so creative. But can I just tell you, this goes way beyond the arts. The art is one place where we can express creativity, but you can be creative and be a bricklayer. You can be creative and be an electrician. You can be creative and be a teacher. You can be creative in everything that you put your hands to. But it starts with the the firm foundation that you are created by a God who loves you beyond your wildest imagination. When I started Eagle Sports 25 years ago, crystal clear, God said to me, tell the children in Eagle Sports that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. That I created them that I have purpose for them, that I knit them together in their mother's womb, that before the foundation of the earth, before Genesis 1 even started, I knew that they were gonna come. And why was it so important for me to tell these young people that? Because if they don't believe that, they're never gonna believe the gospel. Like if you don't believe that God created you, if you don't believe that God loves you, why would you believe that he sent his only son for you to go to the cross to die for you so that you can be one? We have to start with the foundation that we are purposefully created to be purposefully creative. You are created in the image of God. I really couldn't sleep last night because I just kept thinking about this. Like when you read Genesis and you see the, the movement of God, what do you see him doing? You see him bringing light into darkness, right? You see him bringing order where there's chaos, right? You, you see him being, bringing beauty and, and it's this beautiful thing, right? That, that's what you see when you, when you read Genesis, and and then it says, and so let us make man to bear our image, to to reflect our glory. You are created to bring, with God's help, of course, light into darkness. You are created to bring order where there's chaos. Like, you are created to bring purpose where there's senselessness. You are purposely created to bring, to be purposely creative. Wherever you go, whatever you're going through, you have an opportunity to reflect God. It's funny, I, this, is, this was where I was last night. I was just thinking about, like, what's an example of this? The first person I thought of was Kayla Dupree. Those of you who don't know, Kayla went through a pretty uh, traumatic, all cancer treatments traumatic, but she just had a baby. She had to go into hospital uh, for her treatments. The, the people in the hospital described Kayla as light. Like you brought light into the hospital. Right? That's, that is, is, is being an image bearer of God, right? Like the, to go into a, a, a season, a, a dark situation, and to actually be a, a, a bearer of God's image in that situation. I was at a wedding with Meg and the Simaroustis a few months ago. Uh, 
and we became aware of a woman at the wedding who was, um, I would say, uh, imprisoned with anger. Like just, it was sad. And I watched Martha get up and befriend her and have a conversation with her and has continued to have conversations with her in a way that I, I don't even know how to do that, but what was she doing? She was bringing order into, into chaos. She was bringing light into darkness. She was representing the living God to another person that needed to see God. And she was the one that brought that image. Do you see what I'm talking about? Like you were creatively, purposely creative to be purposefully creative. So I started writing down where I see it. I see it in my friend, Mike Mancinelli, who leads his company in a way that every, everybody knows that Mike loves Jesus. And everybody knows that Mike is there to care for them and to love on them. He's, he's brought light into his business world. I see it in Maddie Baker when she's in the classrooms. I see it in Jay Hill when he's working with the kids and Harper Woods, as we were worshiping, I was thinking about Tony. I was thinking about, like, you, you know this, but Gross Point South is a better school because you're there. Not because you're Tony Simarusi, but because you bring Jesus with you. Because you bring the light to the kids that are in that place. And I started asking myself, is that what happens when I walk in the room? Do I bring light? Right? Do I bring calmness? Thank you for affirming. Yes, I appreciate that. The answer is sometimes... Like sometimes, Meg would probably say there, sometimes when you walk in the room, it, it's not very light. <laughs> right, but that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to bring the very presence of God with us everywhere we go. Gross Point North is different because Scott Cooper has spent his life pouring into young people. You see what I'm talking about? You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a preacher. You have to be purposefully creative and bring the gospel with you. The message of Genesis is that the Israelites were purposefully created to reflect the image of God to the world. They were called to be priests to the nation. And the message of Genesis 1 is you are purposefully created to be purposefully creative. Lord, thank you for Genesis 1. I feel like I left a ton of stuff out. I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to those things in Genesis 1 that I didn't have time to talk about, that you would continue to expand our understanding that you are a creative force, that you love us beyond our wildest imagination, that you created us for a reason. Lord, I pray for our young people. I've thought about the young people a lot as I've wrote this message, and so many of them just believe the lie about the cosmic accident. There really is no God. It's just, it is what it is. And what's come from that is all kinds of confusion, gender confusion, and sexuality confusion. But I pray that we would come back to the root of the truth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That God created humankind in his image, male and female, he created them. Lord, would we just walk in the truth 
that we are created by a God who loves us beyond our wildest imagination. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Hey, uh, I was remiss, and I apologize to the slide people before the service, so one more time, I'm sorry. If you're new or newer at Grace, we'd love to know you're here. The best way to do that is just text hello to the number that I hope is going to pop up on the screen in just a minute right now. She's scrambling back there to find it, but I'll continue to talk once the slide comes up, if you just text that number or you can fill out an I'm new card. Uh, This is what they heard when they prayed for you this morning. I love it when a plan comes together, that there's some in the room that need peace, There's some chaos in your life and you need a little order. God's pretty good at that, so we would love to pray for you. Someone's angry with God, we'd love to pray for you. Um, That Someone needs just some clarity from some major distractions. Someone just feels like they're living in darkness. Isn't that fascinating? But God wants to bring light. And someone has a lot of pain in the back of their head. And so we would love to pray for you healing. If you have a physical, spiritual, a little bit of both need, we have some wonderful people down here who are trained and equipped to pray for you. Uh, We just encourage you to come down and receive that prayer. God bless you. Come back next week as we tackle Genesis chapter 2.